0: Good morning church. church. (laughs) Let's have another crack. Good Good morning church. That's much better. I'm sorry I tricked you there. It's been so long since I've actually been in the pulpit with you. Um, with uh, COVID on I've been over in the cafe enjoying the service and let me say good morning to all those precious people in our cafe too Uh, it's a really great place to be able to worship the Lord and welcome along today so it's quite a treat to be back in the pulpit and quite a treat to be back in the worship center with you folks here I know many of you have been enjoying the worship over in the cafe and uh, being blessed by the Lord there Today we're going to continue our series in the book of John as we draw to a close. Pastor Graham's going to uh, be with you next week, so that'll be precious to have Pastor Graham back in the pulpit as we close out the book of John together. But today I'd like to have a look at the life of Thomas and take from that with the time that we have, take a few principles that we can apply to our own lives. I want to tease you with a thought for a moment if I can. We've gone all the way through the book of John, And the book of John was written to bring us to a place where we had enough evidence to be able to believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet there's this irony in that, that it's not just evidence-based is how we come to faith, it still has to be a work of the Spirit of God who gives us the faith to believe. But we are without excuse when we read the book of John, because John presents for us the Lord Jesus Christ in all of his beauty, in all of his humanity... And in all of his godliness, he is fully man and fully God. And by the end of it, John calls us to believe because there's no other thing that we can possibly do. Jesus is the Christ. He is God in the flesh. He is the one that's paid the price for our sins. He is the one that's going to make us right with the living God. Today, I want to touch on the question with you. Why in the world, then, did God bother putting this little story about Thomas in this place? with all of the scriptures that he would have had to draw upon, all of the stories that he could have possibly used. In fact, if you read down a little bit further, you'll see that there were many, many other things that were written that could have been included. But God, in his wisdom, wanted to include this story about Thomas. And they must ask, why would he do that? And I want to look today with you in the time, just to look at what he says and what he does and how that impacts on our lives. Because the marvellous thing about this passage is this passage is speaking to us. I know it was written thousands of years ago, but it's written to us. This is God in the flesh speaking to us. And the reason it's written to us is because Jesus is alive, seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. He's been resurrected from the grave and he is alive. Jesus is alive. Amen? And because Jesus is alive, the Word of God is alive and powerful because the Holy Spirit's able to work it through our lives today. It's not like any other book on the face of the earth which has just been a record of history. The word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, able to bring us life and instruction. And so God wrote this to speak to us. Um, when Carol and I were dating, this was before, just after the earth had cooled, um, we, would, we would write to each other. And you may find this hard to believe, but I was quite a poet in those days. The Lord has taken that gift from me ever since. But at that time, I was quite a poet. And I would write to Carol, and then she would write back to me. And when I got that letter from Carol, I was working on a mission up north, um, Aboriginal Mission, building uh, housing for Alcoholic uh, Rehabilitation Centre. And uh, I would get a letter, and that was pretty exciting. Phone calls were frightfully expensive and very rare. So I'd get a letter, and my heart would be beating, and my stomach would be in a knot and I would open it and every word was precious, particularly the ones that told how handsome I was and how I I really liked those parts Um, it really spoke to my heart I want you to look at this passage the same way, this is God speaking to you and he's trying to tell you something because he loves you he's not trying to rebuke you, he's not trying to put you in a box, he's not trying to harm you, he's trying to speak to you right where you are now, don't you find that exhilarating that he would do that, why would he do that for us and yet he does let me pray for a couple of hours and then we'll jump in and have a look at a few things father thank you for your great love toward us and you would demonstrate it by sending your son it's just breathtaking father thank you for all the magnificent things that you have done for us and lord thank you for allowing your son to shed his blood on my behalf and Thank you for allowing him to die in my place. Thank you for allowing him to bear what I should have should bear. But you have made it possible for me to be forgiven. And then on the third day, you rose up, your precious son, and and similarly, you will rise me from the dead, and I will be forgiven of my sins. And I thank you for what you have done. I thank you for writing this letter to me. I thank you for looking down through the channel of time and expressing your love and your care for me. I feel completely, on one hand, I feel completely unworthy, but then I know that you have actually made me worthy and you allow me to come bounding into your presence at any moment and you do not slam the door in my face. You don't turn your back on me. You don't turn me away. You bring me in. You listen to me and you bless me then you've given your holy spirit to me as a as a a guarantee that i will enjoy heaven and i thank you for that i thank you that your holy spirit comforts me and and leads me and and guides me and opens the word of god to me i thank you for providing for us and i thank you in the lovely name of the lord jesus amen have a look at the scene in your bibles um and guys i'm going to massage it so just follow the PowerPoint if you can but just listen to my words as we go through if you've got your Bible open up to John chapter 20 and let's touch on a few things here beginning in verse 19 on the evening of the first day of the week the door was being locked the disciples uh, were inside and were fearful of the Jews and Jesus came and stood among them and said to them peace be with you and so the picture we get after Jesus having died on the cross and he has risen again, the disciples at this point in time have gone down and they've seen the tomb, they've actually seen the Lord Jesus Christ, and yet they're still in fear, they're in the room together, concerned that those that crucified Christ would come and take them forcefully and possibly crucify them as well. And did you notice when you read that first part of it, this is what I want you to notice, the doors were locked. They didn't have the door open with just the fly screen so the breeze could come through and anybody that wanted to could wander in the doors were locked because they were in fear and the writer John wants you to know that the doors were locked because the next thing is incredibly significant they were in fear the doors were locked and Jesus came and stood amongst them the miraculous all powerful both god and holy both man and holy god came and stood amongst them he did not have a key like he had a key slipped down his sock to John's place, and just at the right time, he brought it out and unlocked the door. That's not what happened. In fact, what happens is Jesus Christ is in his resurrected body and is able to, his body is just like our body, but he's able to move through the door or move through the wall and stood in their presence. He wasn't a ghost or some imagination. If you move over into the book of Luke, you will see that, in fact, Jesus actually ate with them. He had some boiled fish. He was fully human, fully God, in his resurrected body. Exactly like us, and yet, in some ways, magnificently different. Isn't it profound that he would be able to do that? That the Lord Jesus Christ would be able to stand amongst them, to move through the wall and stand amongst them. Isn't that great news for our lives? Because here's the disciples, and they're in fear, and they're bound by their fear, And Jesus comes through the wall or through the door and he stands amongst them. And do you know what the first words that were that came out of Jesus' mouth? Peace be with you. Isn't that beautiful? He didn't come into the room and rebuke them. He came in and said, peace be with you. Jesus in this form of his uh, divine body is really a picture of the new heavens and the new earth because coming very soon the Lord will return for us and take us to be with him. And when we see him, we shall be like him. And the new heavens and the new earth will come and we will be in our resurrected bodies. Hallelujah. No more pain, no more suffering, no more death, no more penalty of sin, no more power of sin. When we see him, we shall be like him. That's going to be an awesome day, an awesome day. Jesus can come into your life right now no matter how much you have locked the door of your heart to him, no matter how much fear has grasped you, no matter how overbearing the sin of unforgiveness is in your life or the bitterness in your life or the brokenness in your life that you think has locked Christ out from your life, he's able to enter into your life at any moment. And he's wanting to step into your life through that door that you have shut to hold him out he wants to enter in and stand by you and he doesn't want to enter into your life to add to your fear or add to your brokenness quite the opposite he wants to come into your life and say peace be with you he wants to draw near to you he wants to actually enter into your life because he is the answer for everything that you are facing Jesus Christ has risen from the dead with the power of God. He is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven and through the Holy Spirit he's able to enter into our life and supernaturally be our comfort and our strength. Don't you see how beautiful that is? That Christ can enter into the situations of our lives. He can go where no biblical counsellor can go. He can go much, much deeper. He can transform the heart. He can go where no doctor can go. They can diagnose the problem of the heart, but Christ can enter through the door and transform our hearts in the midst of our brokenness. Isn't that great news? He can go where no lover can go. He can go where no medication can go. He can go where no alcohol can go. He can go where no drug can go as we seek to medicate ourselves through life and through its brokenness and pain, as we seek to find things to comfort us and strengthen us, as we seek to find things to distract us from the lack of peace that we have in our lives, Jesus Christ says that he can come in through the locked door and stand with us in the midst of our fear and our brokenness and minister to us words of peace and transform us from the inside out. Isn't that great news? That's what the resurrection is all about. As all of the New Testament speaks about the resurrected power of the Lord Jesus Christ, what does that mean for you here today? That means that Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, is able to enter into your life and begin transformation of you from the inside out. And truly that will be fulfilled when we see him, we shall be like him. And as you have battled for years and years with your loneliness with your brokenness, with your sin and with your fear and you've struggled to find ways to address it so that you can maintain some sense of normality and actually the answer is that we need to embrace Christ and let him into our lives. And he did that for these precious disciples. The second thing I want you to see is that they certainly, they were afraid and it says that Jesus came and stood in the midst of their fear. So here's the answer to our fears. He says in the scriptures a little bit earlier on, I come to my own when they are afraid. And Christ knows exactly what we need. And rather than rejecting us in our fear, rather than rejecting us in the struggles of life, we learn from this text that Jesus Christ actually comes in and he stands right with us in the midst of our lives. What a saviour we have. Not some God who stands from afar and judges us. Not God who stands from afar and hurls passages of scripture to us that we don't have the strength to obey. But a God who comes and stands with us. He doesn't stand outside, with his arms folded and say, the Bible says a hundred times, fear not, get your act together. Thus says the Lord. He actually comes in and stands with us not before or after but at the very time that we are facing fear Jesus Christ through the undwelling Holy Spirit and through the word of God is able to enter into our lives and bring us comfort and strength praise the Lord for him he stood in their midst the third thing he comes to us near us amongst us And you might be sitting there thinking, well, actually, you know what? I've just been through a really tough time, and I didn't see the Lord Jesus Christ. I didn't see him walk through my door and stand in my living room right next to me when I was in the midst of fear and say, fear not. In fact, my life was so difficult, I began to wonder whether he actually really existed. Certainly, I began to believe that he didn't care about me. And here you are up the front banging on about Seeing the Lord Jesus Christ and allowing him to come near. Have you ever felt like that? I can tell you, I certainly have. He comes near us and he comes amongst us, and we see him not with our eyes, but we see him with our heart. This is why we've taken you through the book of John, because the book of John talks about presenting the Lord Jesus Christ to you and all of his beauty, and all of his humanity, and all of his godliness. As he walks amongst us, God in the flesh. And as as we read the account of John, we see God himself interacting with us as humanity. Interacting with our fear and our our brokenness and our our sin and our, our finiteness. And we see as we read through that, the tender hand of God. Do you remember the man that was blind? he came to the Lord Jesus Christ to receive sight. And Jesus said, get out of the way. I'm too busy to see you right now. I've got some really important things to do. Um, By the way, you can have your sight. Just get out of my way. No, he did not. The God of the universe bent down, spat in the mud, and he mixed his spittle in the dirt to mud. And then he placed it on the man's eyes. He could have just spoken a word. He could have said, your sight is returned. But this is not our God, the God of the Bible. This is Our Lord Jesus Christ comes to us and he, he touches us. Do you remember the man that had leprosy? And everybody else, just because of their culture, had to abandon him. Separated from his wife and his children, separated from his church, separated from his community when he presented himself to Jesus and the others cried out, leper, leper, which meant run away, get away from us. And Jesus approached him and Jesus touched him and Jesus healed him. Because you see, God enters in to our lives. And as we read those stories, the Holy Spirit speaks to our heart and we begin to see how Jesus Christ can touch our situations. And in the midst of our fear, in the midst of our loneliness, and sometimes in the midst of our unbelief, when we see Jesus Christ with the eyes of our heart, we're brought to humble ourselves before him and worship him. And in the midst of that worship, we find healing for the situation that we're in. We get to see him with the eyes of our heart. And he is beautiful. He's kind. He's generous. He's forgiving. He's gentle. And you see that gentleness with Thomas, don't you? Come with me in your Bibles, if you will. And I want us to tiptoe down a little bit further. You might notice as we started in verse 19, and we saw that Jesus had come and stood amongst them. And now I want you to come with me into verse 20. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were glad that when they saw the Lord and Jesus again says to them what does he say come on what did he say peace be with you the tenderness this reminds me of his earlier visit with Mary when Mary was outside the tomb and sometimes we can misread this and he says to Mary woman and that word in the original language is just full of love and acceptance speaking to a sister and it's a, it's, a, it's a word of embrace and a word of compassion and love from, from her Lord. And then he finally says to her, Mary, and at that moment, the eyes of Mary's heart and were opened up and she saw that it was Jesus Christ. And he was so tender and compassionate to her, even though she was struggling with belief. Similarly when we see the Lord Jesus with the disciples in that first little paragraph he says to them two times peace be with you, peace be with you and he says to you and I today in the midst of our fear and unbelief peace be to you and he wants to stand with us he wants us to see him with the eyes of our heart come down now with me to verse 24 now Thomas one of the twelve called the twin Didymus just meaning twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the original meeting with the disciples, uh, Thomas wasn't there. So the, Thomas, the disciples have seen the Lord Jesus Christ risen. They've seen the wounds in his hand and the mark on his side, the, the wound on his side, and they have believed. And they're saying to Thomas, Jesus is risen from the dead. And they kept telling him, Jesus risen from the dead, Thomas. And Thomas says, only when I see it for myself will I truly believe it have a look now Thomas one of the twelve called the twin was not with them and Jesus came again when Jesus had came so the other disciples told him we have seen the Lord but he said to them unless I see it with uh, the hands and the mark of the nails and place my fingers into it the mark uh, into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side I will never believe and then eight days ticked by and the disciples have continued to tell Thomas over this eight days he must have been sick of it by the end of the eight days, eight days have passed and then Thomas was with them and although the doors were locked Jesus brought out the magic key and forced his way in, no, Jesus in his glorified body was with them again and uh, you've got to imagine at this point Thomas was bowled over, he had been Denying that the Lord was risen for well over eight days in the face of the disciples, constantly telling him. And now standing before him in his presence was the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And what were the words that came out of Jesus' mouth when he confronted Thomas, who had been unbelieving? Peace to you. He loved Thomas. Thomas was actually a lion. He was a man willing to give up his life just prior to this recorded in the book of John. Thomas was ready to lay down his life for the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus loved Thomas. Jesus loves you. He wants to stand with you in the midst of your fear and in the midst of your unbelief and he wants to call to you. Peace be with you. Then Thomas said or Jesus said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put your hand and place it in my side do not disbelieve but believe and some commentators go to say that Thomas never actually touched the Lord Jesus Christ at this point that he was just at the vision of seeing his saviour he was immediately drawn to humble himself before him and to cry out you are my Lord and my God and he worshipped him this is what God wants for you He wants you to be the same as Thomas. He wants you to see him with the eyes of your heart for all that he is. He wants you to see him with the eyes of your heart for the beautiful and precious man and God that he is, as revealed in the book of John. But he wants you to come to a place where you will humble yourself before him as both your Lord and your God, where you will confess your sin and you will acknowledge that he is in both only your God, but your Lord. This is the whole point of John writing the book of John, that through looking at the Lord Jesus Christ and by the working of the Holy Spirit upon your heart, you would come to a place of faith. I want to give you that opportunity as we bow in prayer. I have like a whole another sermon to preach to you, um, but not today. I want you to see... And I hope you've been able to grasp just a little bit of how beautiful the Lord Jesus Christ is and how tender he is and how he wants to answer your greatest need by standing with you. And now I'm asking you to stand with me. If If you're able to stand, would you stand with me? And let's pray together. And if you have never, ever prayed and humbled yourself before the Lord, I'm going to give you that opportunity now For those of you that have, many years ago, trusted on the Lord, let your heart during this time be one of worship and thanks for his goodness. He's altogether lovely and wonderful, seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven and soon to come back for us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! Let's pray. Father in heaven, I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sin and paid a price that I could not pay I believe that he is both man and God and I humble myself before you I pray that you would come into my life I invite you into my life and I recognise this is not something that I have come to by myself I recognise that you have been wooing me and drawing me by the power of your Holy Spirit And even this prayer that I am praying now is one that you have formed on my heart. I humble myself before you and I acknowledge you as my Lord and my God. I pray this in your son's lovely name. Amen.